0: Hi again, everybody. You're listening to LocalJobNetwork.com radio and the podcast, I Want to Be A. I'm your host, Tim Muma. This podcast examines the details of landing a job and hopefully succeeding in a particular position or industry. And we do that by speaking with a professional. This episode will focus on another discipline within chemistry. I want to be an electrochemist. In order to get an idea of precisely what this branch of chemistry might include, as well as what you need to make a career out of it, we have Amanda Morris on the phone with us. Amanda is an assistant professor at Virginia Tech, and of course, she also has experience in this specific area. Amanda, thanks for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Well, before we get into the specifics of the, uh, the industry and this discipline specifically, I'd like to give our listeners an idea of where our guests are coming from. So if you have a moment, just fill us in a little bit on your uh, career thus far.
1: So I am an assistant professor now at Virginia Tech, and I've been here uh, for three years. And as it happens with uh, chemistry discipline, you kind of jump around a bunch. So I've lived in many different places. I now live in Blacksburg, Virginia, which is a nice mountain town in southwest Virginia. Um, But previously, I lived in Princeton, New Jersey, Baltimore, Maryland, and also State College, Pennsylvania, in addition to originally being from the Philadelphia suburbs. So that's where I got to where I am today.
0: Okay, great. And uh, as you mentioned, it seems like in this profession, in this industry, there is uh, quite a bit of bouncing around, whether it be educational-wise or even within the the professional career. Uh, Is that something that you've come across as well?
1: Absolutely. With the training that's involved uh, to get to the level of an assistant professor, um, you often have to go to many different educational institutions. And so um, I started out at uh, Penn State, which is in State College, Pennsylvania, as an undergraduate chemistry major. Uh, After I attained my BS from there, I moved on to get my uh, doctorate in chemistry uh, from Johns Hopkins University. And then after that, while most people can go into industry from that point, to become an assistant professor, you have to conduct a postdoctoral appointment. Okay. And so this postdoctoral appointment, I conducted at Princeton University in New Jersey. And from there, I applied for faculty positions and attained uh, my job at Virginia Tech.
0: Great. Well, yeah, it is always interesting to hear about what people's career paths and, and where, they, where that's taken them. So I appreciate you filling us in a little bit there. And when we jump into the idea of electrochemistry. It's an interesting term, an interesting phrase. How would you describe that for those listening that don't have the background in chemistry or science even?
1: Well, if we think about how we power everything that we use, um, our refrigerators, our televisions, our laptops, our cell phones, all of that requires the flow of current um, and current is actually the flow of electrons. And so what I study is really how the flow of electrons is used to power different things, to run different reactions. And so it's really the study of electron flow is what electrochemists
0: do. Okay. And clearly, I think people can understand the connection to everyday life and how we use everything. But do you view it as... Sort of this greater purpose, or do you strictly think of it as research and the, the technical side? I mean, how do you view it in the grand scheme of things?
1: Well, everything that I work on, even though um, as a uh, researcher at an academic institution, you're often doing fundamental kind of forefront of technology research, everything that we do has a larger and greater purpose. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I do really view it in kind of this broad... Scheme of things, kind of picture. So, for example, one of the things that we're really interested in in my lab is how do electrons flow through solar. Panels And okay. how do we make that process more efficient? And so even though I study at a very fundamental level understanding how electrons throw flow through certain materials that are used in solar cells, I'm always thinking about that bigger picture. Where is this going to go and how is this going to impact people beyond just uh, the walls of Virginia Tech?
0: Okay. Getting back to sort of the idea of where this all came from for yourself, did you always feel like you had an interest in chemistry or um, the electron side of things? Did something really pique your interest in some way? How did it come about for you?
1: You know, I did not necessarily want to be a chemist from a very, very early age, but I did enter into college thinking that I wanted to do something in the sciences. Mm -hmm. And really what solidified my interest in chemistry was an, a direct connection to the real world, and that's what really um, interested me, that I could see what I was doing on a fundamental level could have an impact beyond my life, and so that came out of a class called inorganic chemistry, where I had to do a project on whatever topic of science related to inorganic chemistry I wanted, and so being in the middle of Pennsylvania, which is kind of straight in coal country, one of the things that I had noticed is a a highway that was being built at that time to reach State College, um, and they were basically chopping off the top of mountains and exposing Hmm. certain coal um, veins uh, to the elements. And when you do that and it interacts with rainwater, you actually create something called acid mine drainage, which is when coal and water mix together, you actually acidify the water. Um, And so uh, this is a huge issue in heavy coal states. And so I was really interested in figuring out how chemistry could be used to help alleviate the problem of acid mine drainage. And so that's what I did the project on. And from there, I was kind of hooked (laughs) on environmental issues and how chemistry can be used to solve these problems.
0: That's really cool. Our listeners always love hearing you know, maybe that moment somebody had, and uh, clearly you're able to point back to that that application of it. So I think that's, uh, that's always something our, our listeners are very interested in hearing about. In terms of applying what you do, you just mentioned a, a, an aspect of it right there, but currently within your career, how are you applying it or what maybe areas have you really enjoyed or taken pride in um, applying the idea of electrochemistry with your work?
1: There's lots of different things that I've tackled um, in terms of scientific issues, but again, they're all environmentally relevant, and so that's really where I find my passion. And one of the things that I can suggest to anybody who's going into chemistry is they should find the area of chemistry that they're most passionate about and do that, because then you'll be happy every day when you go to work. Um, and so some of the things that I've looked at in terms of environmental electrochemistry include uh, water remediation. So one of the big things um, that we have in uh, the United States and, and all over the world is certain pollutants in our water stream that we need to get rid of. And mm-hmm. one of them that I looked at was a common byproduct of dry cleaning, actually, which is a, a huh. known cancer-causing agent. And so we were working on using electrons to um, basically break up these chemicals into things that aren't um, harmful to uh, humans so that we could actually drink our water again. So that was one of the things that we looked at. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I moved on from that um, and tried to look at um, also the reduction of carbon dioxide. So global warming is perhaps a, uh, one of the largest challenges facing uh, kind of younger generations. And so we looked at methods to use electrons to convert carbon dioxide into things where it can store uh, the carbon and not be in our atmosphere. So this would be like conversion of carbon dioxide to maybe polymers, um, which are plastics, which are used in in a lot of different materials, or maybe even turning carbon dioxide into a fuel source, so carbon dioxide to methane, and then we could burn that as a a fuel in addition to uh, looking at fossil fuels as a source of carbon-based fuel. And then, of course, I already mentioned the solar energy, um, which also uh, I've looked at um, in particular as well.
0: And that's what's great about, you know, talking to anyone within these industries is just learning about the different ways you're able to help. And if those listening to the shows have that type of interest and um, sort of motivation like you do, I think that's uh, always fascinating to hear the ways you can actually help and make differences on the grander scale, as you talked about having that big picture in mind. Looking at the educational side, you quickly ran us through you know, sort of your path, but when it comes to school choices or what our listeners would be looking at in terms of degrees, years in school, can you wrap it up in some sort of neat bow to help them understand what they would be in store for?
1: Yes, absolutely. So you would start out with a bachelor's degree. Um, and to be an electrochemist, pretty much you would probably either want to be in Electrical engineering or in chemistry. Okay, that's uh, four years if you're if you fast track it. Although you know it's okay if you stay <laughs> four to five years. That's absolutely okay. And um, from that, once you get that degree, a PhD is almost required. Okay. Um, and so uh, I would say uh, you're looking at then another four to five years of graduate school, which is on average how long it takes most graduate students to go, and then. Um, From that point, you could enter an industrial job. That's absolutely possible. But then if you want to do uh, academic research, you can either do that in the form of a research assistantship, which you can do at that level, or if you would like to become a professor, then you are going to need a postdoctoral appointment, which can last two to three years. Um, So that's kind of the years. Now, you talked a little bit about school choice. School choice is very important depending on where you want to go. Hmm. And if you want to aim high, you should aim high with your school choice. Um, And so uh, the U.S. News and World Report does um, put out rankings on uh, chemistry departments. Um, from universities. And so uh, that's a useful guide to go with. You're looking at kind of, you want to be in the top 100 for uh, undergraduate institutions, Sure, I would say. And then for graduate schools, they also provide those types of lists as well. So again, the higher you aim with those school choices, the higher you will end up in the end.
0: Yeah, no, that's a a nice little tidbit as far as being able to look in research a little bit into that, because I'm sure, you know, everybody's been through where they're trying to figure out where do I go, what's going to be best. So any little advice that uh, you can give our listeners, we do appreciate that as always. How about any extracurricular type activities? Maybe if somebody listening is in high school and they want to maybe get their hands dirty or in college, is it a matter of doing some internships or um, maybe connecting with somebody? I mean, what would you advise in terms of things that are a little bit outside the education realm, but are also important or valuable?
1: I would kind of put this in the educational round, but one of the first things I say to my students on day one when I have them in their sophomore level class is I ask them how many of them are involved in undergraduate research. Okay. Um, And so getting experience in a research lab and really getting your hands dirty, as you said, um, is very important and attractive to levels beyond. So if you're applying for graduate school and you have undergraduate research experience, that makes you more attractive to schools. It also makes you more attractive to industrial positions as well. And so um, getting involved with undergraduate research early would be great. Um, Now, how do you do that at the high school level? Um, You can often talk to, if you're in an area that does have a research-active university, you can contact professors in the chemistry department, and some of them will take high school students on to even do some some research there. Uh, we've worked with some students here at Virginia Tech developing their science fair projects, which is another great thing to get involved with at mm-hmm. the high school level, um, which is national and local science fairs. So really, research is key. In addition to research, you mentioned internships. In terms of chemistry, internships aren't necessarily that common, um, and they are definitely not required. However, um, I myself did an internship at Roman Haas, which no longer exists. It's now part of Dow Chemical. But it was very helpful in letting me decide what career path I wanted. So if if a student was to look into an internship, it does boost your resume a little bit. But I would say use it more as an exploratory thing to find out if you want to work for a big chemical company.
0: Again, good practical advice for our listeners out there, and hopefully they do take advantage, as you said. Just any experience like that, not only to help yourself stand out, but to learn on the job is always beneficial. Speaking of jobs, when we're looking at, uh, again, trying to give our listeners as much information and advice as possible, if they would be going into the process of applying and, and searching out these specific positions is there a best route for this? Are there places they can go to find these positions? Uh, what would be your advice as far as just that basic you know search function and applying to jobs?
1: The best place that I have found for chemistry related positions, is the american chemical society website so they have a career section of their website which if you uh, join as a member which student members do get discounts um, if you join as a member you can go into that career section and you can see the postings from chemical companies uh, right there and so that's extremely useful to find them in addition to that you're going to need to go to the individual companies websites So companies, large chemical companies like Dow Chemical, DuPont, BASF, all have their own um, kind of databases of the jobs that are available, and so you would need to go to those. In addition to just searching for jobs, um, one of the other things that the American Chemical Society does, which is very useful, is they have job expos at their national meetings. So the national meetings happen twice a year. And these job expos um, actually have these chemical companies come and they'll interview people on site. And so that's extremely useful. You go on to the career site on ACS apply to interview with these people at the job expos, and you can then right there get um, interaction with uh, hiring.
0: I got to tell you, Amanda, you are a great spokesperson for chemistry and, and chemists out there because you uh, you definitely have a, a lot of information that you're sharing with our job seekers. And uh, that is, of course, the main reason we do these shows. And we are very appreciative of you being able to share that information with all of them out there. Um, so uh, again, take advantage for all those listing of the resources that Amanda is sharing with you today as well. Uh, how about in the job interview itself? And I understand it's going to be different if you're going in industry versus academia and that each company might have their own um, little tricks or inside uh, uh, activities that they might have you do. But what have you heard? What have you seen? What would be important to um, really for our job seekers to know what happens in that interview process for, again, a position within chemistry?
1: Well, it is very different from um, academia to industry, but I've uh, interviewed in both areas. So I can hopefully give you some insight into both kind of situations. So when you interview in industry, um, one of the things that you often do if you're at the Ph.D. level is you give a presentation on what you've done as a uh, doctoral student, Um, so that's kind of how the interview will start. So you'll get up there and you'll tell them about you what you do, and they will ask you questions. Um, and so one of the biggest things that you need to do when going into the interview is you need to be able to be confident about your chemistry background because they're going to ask you questions that are coming from kind of a slightly different perspective Mm -hmm. than what you're used to, and it's best if you're able to answer those questions uh, well. So that's one of the things you should do, is always be confident in the chemistry that you're going to present. The other thing is you need to do your homework. Um, You need to go onto the website, learn about what the company is doing, and what they're hiring you to do, and how you, and only you, are the best person for that job. Um, So really uh, knowing everything you can and all the details about um, the specific sector of the industry you're going into really help to impress when you're on the job interview industry interviews after you do your job presentation. uh, You kind of go to individual meetings where you talk to different people um, who are involved in the individual job sector and like I said in that meeting if you can know what their piece of the puzzle is and you can relate to that piece of puzzle it shows that you have done your homework and that's very impressive. So that's kind of uh, an industry job in a nutshell. A bunch of individual meetings uh, where you talk to people and then also a presentation. Uh, faculty interviews are much more expansive. Uh, so faculty interviews are a two-day process. Mm. Um, so the uh, university will uh, fly you out to the, to the school, and when you get there, the first day, you will have lots and lots of meetings with all the faculty that are in the department. So wow. you kind of uh, run through all of these small 30-minute segment meetings with the uh, people who already work there. Sure. And again in those meetings, it's important for you to do your homework because they're going to talk to you about their science and if you can relate to their science and kind of give insight, they'll find that very impressive. So doing your homework before an interview is really important. That first day, you still give that same seminar that you give at uh, industry level. So you talk about your doctoral work um, and they ask you questions and things like that. And then you get to, um, they do take you out to dinner, which is very nice. Um, (laughs) And then the next day, you start it all over again. So you have more individual meetings, um, and so again, these tend to last 30 to 45 minutes um, with more faculty members. And then in the second day is really where your test is as a faculty member. You have to give a research talk, which is not on what you've done as a post a postdoc or a graduate student, but on what you plan to do. Okay. And so for that, you really have to have clear ideas of what you want to do in the lab meaning day one, what am I going to go in, what am I going to mix together, what am I going to study? And then you also have to have an idea of how much support you need to actually do that work and support in terms of how many graduate students are you going to be working with and need to conduct the research and also where are you going to get funding in terms of what federal agencies or private funding uh, streams you can uh, look at to help fund your fundamental research. So very different. The industry interviews are typically just a day and you only have the one presentation. Faculty interviews, two days, two presentations. But uh, the key for both of them is do your homework.
0: That's definitely uh, what came across to me with what you were talking about there. Um, A little more in depth than a lot of the interviews we talk about with some of the the jobs we have on this show. But uh, to your point, being prepared and having all that set up ahead of time, uh, of course, extremely important there. Now, this is a question that is always a little uncomfortable, but we have to ask it, especially you talk about all the schooling that's going to go into um, getting into this profession and the research. And you just talked about being motivated, of course. And it's the idea of compensation. And again, we understand there are numerous factors that are going to play a role into what you get paid for being in any of these positions. But can you give us a ballpark, a little bit of a guideline, just so the job seekers understand, again, what they would be getting into on the compensation side?
1: So it's different at different levels, so it depends on what your educational level is, and it also depends on where you go. So faculty positions, so as I said, those require the BS, the PhD, and the postdoc. They would start out on average as an assistant professor at $72,000 a year. Okay. So uh, that's your annualized uh, salary. That's academic positions. Now, obviously, depending on the level of school, it's, gonna, it's going to vary a lot. If you're at a primarily undergraduate institution that maybe doesn't have a PhD program, your salary is going to be less, maybe somewhere in the $50,000 range. And then if you're at top-tier institutions, such as Harvard and MIT, it might be a little bit higher than $72,000 a year. So that kind of gives you an idea of the range there for academic positions. Mm-hmm. For industry... Um, if you start out as a BS working as a uh, laboratory technician um, at a, a chemical company, uh, most likely you'll be somewhere in between the thirty-five dollars to $45,000 a year range. So then that's why the PhD becomes very attractive because if you're at the PhD level, which is four more years of schooling, um, your salary jumps up a lot. The average starting salary for PhD chemists is about 80000 to somewhere about $110,000. Oh, yeah. Dollars a year. And so it depends on what in what industry you go into, mm-hmm. but you can see that the salary is much higher with the four more years of schooling.
0: And that's exactly why we're doing this, to give people that idea, uh, you know, hey, a little extra school might pay off if you're looking for the, the higher end compensation. Uh, but to your point as well, of course, you want to be enjoying what you're doing and, uh, and have that motivation to it. We are getting low on time. Amanda, again, we do appreciate everything you have talked about today and the information you've given our job seekers. For yourself, if you had to do it all over again, would you choose this same path? Would you have looked elsewhere? Uh, Just what's your take on kind of where your career has gone, I suppose?
1: Um, I would say that definitely my path to my career was not a a straight path, but I've loved (laughs) every second of it. So um, I would absolutely do it again. And I am extremely happy with the job I have and at the institution I am. Um, And so I would absolutely want to end up here at the end,
0: no matter what. That is wonderful to hear, uh, especially for all our listeners out there who might have an interest in this area. Finally, we well, always like to give our listeners a, a nice takeaway from the conversation. Let our expert, in this case, uh, of course, you, uh, talk about one final piece of advice or anything you think they should know if they're looking ahead into this industry. What would you give to them to finish things out?
1: I think that the big thing that I would say is, don't think of chemistry as just uh, mixing things in beakers, but look beyond and see the big picture. Chemistry impacts our lives daily, no matter if it is the phone you were talking on, the, the carpet beneath your feet, the paint on the walls. All of that involves chemistry. So find out what you're passionate about in the world, and chemistry can be used to make that even better.
0: That is a perfect punctuation to this conversation today, and as well as a good place to wrap things up here on I Want to Be a Electrochemist, as we've been speaking with Amanda Morris, assistant professor at Virginia Tech University. And uh, if you've been listening, you've been given a ton of very useful information, both on the practical side and also when you're talking about applying to these positions. Amanda, thanks once again for giving us your insight. It was a terrific job today by you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And of course, if you, the listeners, have any comments or questions regarding any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio, just shoot us an email to LJN Radio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.